Hi, this is Keisha, and I welcome you to this episode of the Face to Face podcast. Our discussion today will revolve around our faith in Jesus Christ, baptism in water, and baptism of the Holy Spirit. About five years ago, God had led me into a revelation uh, in Scripture when I was reading in Acts 2, um, starting in 36, where it says, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God had made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Now this was an excerpt from the, the day of Pentecost, um, when uh, the Holy Spirit came upon the those who were waiting in the upper room as Jesus had commanded them to do. Uh, so this was the first sermon that was given on the day of Pentecost by Peter after the Holy Spirit had come upon them with wind and fire. But God had shown me in this scripture that there was a very distinct call that Peter had given those who were gathered around him when they came stumbling out of the upper room and 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 speaking in other tongues um he had he had said to them repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the holy spirit so there was a there were distinct things that happened that God had shown me were the uh, the reference point that we can use in Scripture, because this was the birth of the church, and this is where God began doing that new thing. You know, they the the apostles and, and the believers that had been gathered in the upper room waiting on the Lord, they had no idea what God was going to do. So far as we know, um, we do know that Jesus spent many days uh, with the disciples before he ascended. Um, but it doesn't necessarily tell us that we know why, that they knew why they were waiting in the upper room. So God initiated a new thing. This was the birth of the church. And uh, 
so the first the first part of that that we're going to focus on is the fact that when when Peter told them that uh, Jesus was both Lord and Christ, whom they crucified, you know, he was talking to the to the Jewish people, and they were cut to the heart. Their eyes were opened, and they were made sensitive to the fact that it was their sinfulness that had caused Jesus to be crucified. And so they, of course, initiated by saying, what shall we do? They knew that there was something that had to be done in order to, in order to, uh, right the wrong, so to speak. They were sensitive to the fact that there was sin involved and that it was their sin that had caused Jesus to be crucified. And so Peter immediately said to them, repent, change your mind and change your direction. So we're going to go from following after that sinful nature. We're going to make the conscious decision to let go of the lies and we're going to make the conscious decision to stop allowing Satan to have the power and authority in our life and we're going to turn. That's what repentance is. It's turning from the direction we were going in and the thought process that we were living in and we are going to repent and we're going to turn to believe by faith in Jesus Christ. And that is the that is the first part of that. Our faith in Jesus Christ is that initiating part of our relationship with him. We the Holy Spirit quickens us to understand that there is there is something in our life that isn't right. And we're all walking around and we know that. We know that something isn't right. We know that there's there's things that we're in bondage to. We're going round and round the same mountains all the time. We can't ever seem to get free. And when we hear, when we hear that and we're quickened, that there is sinful nature in our life that needs to be rectified, it's up to us to take the step forward. It's up to us to say, what do I need to do to set this right? And the first thing that we have to do is we have to make the conscious, willful decision to turn from the lies and the deception and allow Jesus to become our, our main focus, for him to become our reference point. As it says in Ephesians 2, starting in 1, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, 
the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in, the passions of our flesh carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. There is not one person who did not have a sin issue. It's just, it, that's just our reality. I'm picking up in four. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So isn't that incredible that even when we were dead in our trespasses, God made us alive together with Christ. So Christ took all sin upon himself. He became sin who knew no sin. So he might become our righteousness. There was nothing about this that had anything to do with anything we did. It is a gift to be received. Our faith in Jesus Christ is just that. It is a gift and we receive it. We make a conscious free will decision. We are stirred by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives us the ability to see the truth, to see our sinful nature. To see that we are dead in the trespasses and sins in which we once walked. That we are sons of disobedience. That we are allowing Satan to keep us in bondage. But Christ, Christ gave us the ability through his death. And resurrection, he atoned for sin. He paid the ransom to set us free. And in his resurrection, he showed himself to have the power to overcome death. And he, who is now alive, eternally has invited us in to partake of this beautiful gift. And we get the choice to say yes or no. We get to make the decision to allow his reality to manifest in our lives or to not. And that is the beauty of what God did for us. There is nothing that he is 
going to do to force your hand. But at the same time, he is going to continue to romance you and and to draw you in by showing you the contrast of the life you're living in comparison to the life that Christ has purchased for us. There is freedom. There is freedom in our walking with Jesus. There is immeasurable peace and joy in entering into that relationship with Jesus. He says in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He doesn't want you to carry the burdens of life by yourself. He will give us rest no matter what our circumstances. We don't have to. We don't have to do this alone. We don't have to allow the world to overwhelm us. He has overcome the world. He has offered us amazing love and friendship. And if you have not placed your trust in him and you have not turned to him, I ask you to search your heart that you would see your need and that you would believe by faith that he is Lord. It is a commitment that you will never regret making. About 11 years ago, when I had heard the gospel for the first time, and I was quickened to receive this gift, my life has never been the same, and there hasn't been a day that's gone by that my faith in Jesus and his friendship and his lordship hasn't had an impact on the person that I am and the person that I'm becoming. Now, of course, there are many who have prayed a prayer or made the decision to believe in Jesus, and they know that they are saved by grace through faith, and they know that they're covered by his blood and they've asked forgiveness for their sins and and they've made the choice to follow after him but it was amazing and shocking to me that there were a lot of people that I had talked to that no one had ever taught them about what it meant to be baptized in water and honestly It was not even something that I was really taught. Uh, After I had uh, turned to follow Jesus, a few months went by, and all of a sudden I just felt in my heart that this was something that I needed to do, that I needed to be water baptized. 
I knew nothing about why. I knew nothing about uh, what it meant to be water baptized after receiving uh, the saving power of Christ. But I knew it was something I was supposed to do. But honestly, I look back in retrospect and I realize that by not understanding what the scripture had to say about baptism and not understanding the, the implications that, uh, that go along with being baptized, that I didn't really receive the fullness and I also hadn't been told because these it, these two things do go together. Water baptism, being filled with the Holy Spirit. Those two things do go hand in hand. Now, some people can be water baptized and then filled with the Holy Spirit. Or there are even some people who have been filled with the Holy Spirit and then go on later to be water baptized. And it is very biblical to do it either way. Uh, I know something I had talked about uh, in a in a in a recent episode was I had talked about how water baptism is something that is uh, done to someone who is old enough to confess that Jesus is Lord and understand the decision that they're making. Water baptizing a baby is not biblical. Um, that is something that was done because they believed, they believed that that, uh, covered original sin, but there is nothing in the Bible that ever shows a baby being water baptized. It is always an adult who has made a decision or, um, there, there are a couple times in the Bible where it's a family that actually is baptized. And it says in, uh, in Acts 2, when Peter tells them to repent and be baptized, uh, he said, For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. So if a, if a child is old enough to make that conscious decision to follow Jesus and they can they can understand, they can comprehend what it is that you're telling them, then I believe that a, a child can also be baptized, but not a baby. Um, a newborn baby does not need to be baptized. It is not the same to be baptized as a baby as it is to be baptized as an adult. A baby cannot make a conscious decision. This has to be something that we do from our own free will. God does not require that babies be baptized. There is an age of accountability that a child comes under. And of course, only God knows that age of accountability. Now, that was something that uh, we had really dug into and explored. Um, because I have a nephew who has some disabilities and he cannot speak. And we're not sure that he would understand um, the gospel message. I mean, I've, I've definitely talked to him about the Lord. 
And, um, but the question had come up, you know, what about people like my nephew who are disabled? What happens there? I truly believe that God in his infinite mercy and grace, um, he doesn't, he doesn't make those who can't understand and those who can't comprehend, they don't fall under that, that accountability the same way that an adult who can make a decision or a young adult who can make a conscious decision to do right or wrong. Um, small children don't have that capacity. People with disabilities don't have that capacity. So water baptism is basically saying the I do. When you receive Christ by faith, you're stepping in to a covenant that he prepared for you. And water baptism is basically, it, that's your I do uh, in that covenant. You are making a full commitment through water baptism by faith and obedience. The same way as when you get married, you make a conscious free will decision to give yourself in marriage to another person. You make the choice to give your life to them and give your life to them fully. Water baptism is a death to the old sinful life and the resurrection of a new creation in Christ. We are released from our covenant with death and rise in the covenant with Jesus our Lord into the new life that he has prepared for us. In Romans 6, starting in 3, it says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. So as I said, when you are baptized, you are dying to the old sinful nature. And you are, when you come up out of the water, you are a new creation. You are entering into his resurrection life. You are released from the covenant with death. In Romans 7, starting in 1, it says, Or do you not know, brothers, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law is binding on a person only as long as he lives, for a married woman is bound by law to her husband while he lives. 
but if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. Accordingly, she will be called an adulteress as she lives with another man while her husband is alive. But if her husband dies, she is free from the law. And if she marries another man, she is not an adulteress. Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for, for God. So this is basically saying that you were, you were bound to the law, you were bound to that sinful nature in your flesh because of the agreement that we are in because of sin to Satan, to the devil. We are bound to him. We are bound to the kingdom of darkness. And when we are baptized and we die to that old nature, we are resurrected in new creation. We are now free from that sinful nature in order to fully commit to the covenant that we have made with Jesus Christ. This is where we get to bear fruit for God. We are no longer a slave to sin. We are no longer a slave to the law. We are now free. We are free to live fully from the Spirit. And just as when we get married, we, when we step into that covenant as a husband and wife, we take on the same last name and we share finances and you share home and you share health insurance benefits and all those things become a part of who you are because of the fact that you are now married. Just the same, you are able to step into the benefits of unity, the benefits of full commitment to Jesus as Lord. You are now prepared to receive the inheritance, the promise of the Holy Spirit. And this establishes a connection to receive Father God's love for healing of our broken hearts. This is where we are given the same power that raised Christ from the dead. This is what we get to live from. And it comes because of the fact that we have left the old person, the flesh, we have left them behind in that, in that water of baptism. There is something supernatural that happens when you are buried in that watery grave. That old man is left behind. And when you come up out of the water, you are that new creation. And you are now able to receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So, of course, we, we now look at the other aspect, the third aspect of this, which is the baptism by the Holy Spirit. In Romans 8, 11 through 17, it says, If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. 
heirs with Christ. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are His, our children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Amen. So now I do want to point out that in John 20, starting in 22, well, actually, we'll just read 22. Uh, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. That was, that was basically the first born again experience. Um, Jesus had breathed on them and given them the Holy Spirit. He had quickened them. He had ignited them. But he had gone on to tell them to go wait in the upper room. Do not go anywhere. Go wait in the upper room and I will send the promised one. So he did not want them to go out and minister or preach or anything from this. Now, he gave them the Holy Spirit, but it wasn't the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit. It was the, he ignited them. He gave them, he breathed life into them. They stepped from death into life but they were not given the power that they needed to go forth and do what they were commissioned to do. Dunamis power in the Strong's Greek concordance is said to be miracle power, power, excellence of soul, under or full of the power of the Holy Spirit. This has been granted to us by means of baptism by the Holy Spirit. So, to be under the full power of the Holy Spirit is that dunamis power. So when we, when we turn in faith to Jesus and we recognize our sinfulness and we recognize our need for him and we repent and turn to follow after him, he then breathes into us and brings us back to life. We have an awareness of him and uh, the new life within us. But in order for us to be able to, I mean, Jesus himself got baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came like a dove upon him. Now, all I know is if Jesus, being a perfect, sinless man, still had to be baptized in water and filled with the Holy Spirit before he went into that time of testing, 
when he fasted for 40 days in the desert and he was able to stand against all the things that the the enemy brought against him. And then after he was tested, he went out and did his ministry. He went out and healed the sick and cleansed the leper and preached and and uh, and ultimately took the cross for us. And everything that he did was an example of what we need to do. And if Christ himself, a perfect sinless man, had to do these things, then obviously, if Peter preached this on the day of Pentecost, I think it's a pretty safe bet that we don't want to go forward without it. I have, I personally have seen lives change because of this, because of faith in Jesus, water baptism and baptism in the Holy Spirit. There are people who have been set free and able to grow. They bear fruit, just as the scripture says, we would bear fruit for God. God does not want you to go around and around and around the same mountains. Now, it's not to say that you don't have, you know, that all of a sudden you're just going to be like compelled by some invisible force and to do all the right things. You know, your free will is still involved and you still have to make a conscious decision day by day to say, I do to Jesus. And just like any relationship, there's work involved. But by receiving the fullness of the Holy Spirit, the full power of the Holy Spirit, we are able to hear God's voice more clearly. We are able to discern if there is truth or deception being thrown at us. We receive more revelation in the word when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit. And we are able to overcome obstacles of the past because, of course, we're dead to our old nature. And then being filled with the Holy Spirit, that gives us excellence of soul, dunamis power. That dunamis power of the Holy Spirit means excellence of soul. Those wounds that we once carried around, our mind is being renewed day by day. As we spend time with the Lord, as we seek him and pray, as we read the, as, as we read the word of God, There are many different experiences of the baptism of the Holy Spirit throughout the book of Acts. There was the first gospel message in Acts 2.38, when Samaria received the word of God in Acts 8.14-17, the conversion of Saul to Paul on the road to Damascus in Acts 9.1-19, the conversions of the Gentiles, which that's a whole nother conversation all in itself. <laughs> I think a conversation that we need to have sometime. You know, when when the Lord tells Peter 
to eat unclean food because there is nothing that God created that is unclean. That is a powerful thing, you know, considering these guys were functioning from a Jewish mentality where they were told you don't eat or touch anything that's unclean. Now all of a sudden God changes things. You know, he loves to, he loves to shift things around and show us new things as we grow, as we have the spirit dwelling on the inside of us. We'll save that for another day, but it's powerful. Um, but the conversion of the Gentiles in Acts 10, 44 through 48, and the believers in Ephesus, Acts 19, 1 through 10. And, you know, there was times when there was a fresh infilling of the Spirit for an impartation of boldness in times of weakness, as in Acts 4, 23 through 31. And for the anointing for stepping into ministry, as in Acts 6, 1 through 7. The Holy Spirit is our inheritance as children of God. There is nothing God expects us to do in our own strength. We need the Holy Spirit to bear kingdom fruit in our lives. In Galatians 5, where it talks about the fruit of the Spirit, we are not expected to strive and strain to make that fruit happen. Jesus said, abide in me and bear much fruit. Intimacy is birthed from receiving wisdom and understanding to stay lined up and tapped into the source of life. Another thing that we can, another benefit that we receive by uh, receiving that baptism of the Holy Spirit is the gift of tongues for personal edification. Our prayer language, as Paul speaks of in 1 Corinthians 14, 1 through 5. We are able to pray in our own prayer language to so that God can intercede for us in ways that goes beyond our understanding. It is not a requirement to speak or pray in the Spirit, but it is encouraged as a means to seek God for that which is beyond human understanding. There is a difference between flesh-inspired prayer and that which lines up with the will of an eternal God. And he references in Ephesians 3, starting in 14, is Paul says, For this reason I bow my knee before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. We can pray from our inner being. 
and it goes beyond words of understanding. He desires for us to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Sometimes we have to be able to pray in a way that gets us out of our own head, that gets us out of our own rationalizations. When we can get our thought process out of the way, we can, when we can get the words that the enemy is trying to use against us out of the way and just pray from our spirit, whatever that means for you. Some people will pray in utterance and others don't. But whatever that means for you, dig into your spirit and look to pray from your spirit rather than allowing your mind to dictate the prayers that you pray. Another uh, interesting thing is the gift of tongues for addressing the nations as they as what happened in Acts 2, 4 on the day of Pentecost. There are 6,909 distinct languages in the world. And the reference for that was the linguistic society. There have been times where people have been led to pray in the spirit. And the next thing you know, there are other people who speak Russian or German or French or some language that nobody else really knows. <laughs> and then all of a sudden they're like, I understood what you were saying. That's happened many times. And the Holy Spirit will use that as a witness to the people around them that the Holy Spirit is real and that the power of the Holy Spirit is very much within us. Like I said, we were not meant to do any of this in and of ourselves. We were never meant to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and do better. We can't do anything to save ourselves. We have to rely on Jesus for everything that we need. We cannot save ourselves. I can, I can say beyond a shadow of a doubt that the person that I was before I put my faith in Christ, the person that I was before I got baptized, and the person that I was before I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that I'm not the same. I'm not the same person. I have been able to grow in leaps and bounds, and I haven't, I haven't necessarily needed somebody to prod me along to do it. And I, I truly believe that a person who makes the commitment because they really want to make that commitment, they know in their heart that that's what they want. And they're not doing it because they're afraid of going to hell and they're not doing it because they've been shamed into it and they're not doing it just because somebody told them that they had to do it. 
but they do it because they really want to. That's why I keep emphasizing that it has to be a free will conscious decision. You have to know in your heart that that's what you really want. God will not force you and no person should try to force you either. But if you're doing it because you really truly know that you need him and you want to live the life that he has purchased for you, you will be transformed. You will go through a metamorphosis. When a butterfly goes through metamorphosis, they enter the chrysalis, a worm, a caterpillar. But they come out a beautiful winged creature. And no matter what you did, you would never be able to change that butterfly back into a caterpillar or a worm. You would not be able to do it. It's impossible. Their complete DNA has been changed inside that chrysalis in that process of metamorphosis. They are no longer the same. They are not a caterpillar anymore. They're a butterfly. And this same thing happens to those who believe by faith in Jesus, are baptized in water, and receive the Holy Spirit. And if this is something that you want for your life, if you've had faith in Christ, but no one ever taught you about these other things, I open myself to you to give you, I have teachings that I have written up about this. I can send you the teachings. We can have a conversation. You can ask me questions. And if this is something you really want for your life, we will make it happen. We will make sure that you are baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit so that you can live in the fullness of what Jesus died to give you, that you can live from the inheritance that was promised to you. There are so many different opinions about these topics in the church. There's so much division. But guys, everything that I just told you is all backed up in the word. We've got to stop following after what people say. We've got to stop following after what religious people say in their theology, in their doctrines. And we have to be willing to get back to trusting in God and trusting in his word. We have to get back to the basics. And it doesn't get any more basic than this, guys. This is the basic foundation of our, of our life in Christ. The very first message preached on the day of Pentecost. That's where I'm pulling this from. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
He didn't change just because people got their hands in there and they changed things. Doesn't mean God changed. So pray about it. Study the scriptures that I referenced. If you want more information, you want to learn more about this because you just find yourself hungry for more understanding, I would be more than happy to email these teachings that I have to you. As always, I will leave my uh, email address and the link that you can leave me a voice message on my podcast. And I'm more than happy to do whatever it takes to help you to understand in the word of God that this truth is meant for you. The truth is what sets us free. And it's time. It's time to stop believing what everybody else has to say. I don't even really want you to just believe me. I don't want you to just take my word for it. I want you to dig. I want you to chase after Jesus. And ask him to show you for himself. Because I'll tell you what. Nobody taught me this stuff. I had to go digging in the word of God for myself. He led me to do it because I had asked him multiple times, please, Lord, don't let me be deceived. If there's something you need me to know, something you want me to know, please show me in your word that it's true. Because I know your truth sets me free. And he did not disappoint. I have seen many people baptized in water and filled with the Holy Spirit. And their lives have been changed. Members of my own family, friends. I mean, it's just incredible what God has done. And I want that for you too. So if you want to get in touch with me, my email address is face to face kmj at gmail.com. And I will leave that link in the description so that you can send me a voicemail if you'd like to. I love you guys, and until next time.